Welcome to Make Pods Great Again. I'm your host, John, back with my girl, Nikki, who's in a new room. What room are you in? This is my new, officially my new home office slash podcasting studio. What do you think? It threw me off. I like it. The bed's made, so that's a Uh, plus. Sort of. Everything's actually just shoved over by the pillows. (laughs) See the laundry on the bed. But um, no, I had to move out of my very orange room that everyone who watches this on YouTube has gotten used to seeing because my big baby brother is moving in with me next week. Oh, wow. So I had to give him my spare room slash old office. Is he he moving in for, is this like a permanent thing or like, what's the deal? Temporary, temporary, but he's going to kick it in my house for a while with his girlfriend and his dog. I feel full Brazier house, full house. I feel some good (laughs) stories coming on for future podcasts. Oh yeah. We'll save that, but tonight, uh, our very special guest, Neil Maddox. Neil, how are you? I'm doing great. You know, Nikki keeps uh, booking all these OG CrossFitters, and I love it because I get all geeked out, man. Like, I, I've been CrossFitting for 10 years now, and so all you guys that have been around for a while, like, I get all nerded out because you guys are the rock stars of the sport to me. Like, I don't care about these new guys. Screw all that. So, <laughs> I'm glad uh, you're on. To be honest, I don't know who a lot of the new guys are. But oh, my God. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> to be honest, I, I really – you know, to be honest, because ever since the format changed with CrossFit and stuff like that, I know the format's going to change again, I'm thinking. But when it changed and um, it it went to where they started involving everyone nationally and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I kind of got discouraged uh, to follow. And the reason why I got discouraged is when I competed, it was like you only had this amount of spots. And if you weren't the top of your field, you did not make it. And I sacrificed everything to try to get myself to make it each and every year. And there's guys who sacrificed everything who were better than half the people who are going to the game. So that's where I had a, a little bit of a, a bone to pick with the games because I, even though I know they're trying to get everyone involved nationally, even some of the national qualifiers weren't even as good as some of the people in the States who were, you know, who didn't make it because they didn't nationally qualify either in an event, but yet there's some of the, like, Take Ben Smith, perfect example. You know, you look at some of these guys, awesome athletes, but a qualifier from a national area takes their spot, whereas I don't think that they were bringing the top fittest people to the games. So that's the only bone that I have to pick, uh, you know, but I understand that there's things that are going to be changing and, you know, things will be addressed in the future. That's an interesting perspective. We've never really talked about it from from the perspective of someone who, like you said, has given so much and you're like, oh man, I qualified because I was number, you know, 19 out of the open, but number 24 didn't qualify, but then so-and-so out of wherever did, even though they don't stack up. That's an interesting perspective. I've never really thought about it that way. Yeah. So, so to me, when I saw the games, what hurt, what, what hurt me because I sacrificed, like literally my life was everything. My life was dedicated to training and competing in the games. And I'm not saying that those national qualifiers aren't, but what I'm saying is that there's athletes who are in tip top shape who could have went to the games and gave a run. So that's why when you look at who, you know, Matt Brazier is the best. I mean, him, Rich Browning, they're, they're, they're awesome athletes are top of their sport. But I think that some of the people who creeped in to the top 20 and stuff like that, if you had a different feel, it would have been different. Interesting. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I mean, you know, it's interesting. Nikki and I were at the games last year and, and I watched that parade of champions where all the, the national champions came in and it was really cool. Like to be fair, 
like I kind of got misty eyed. Like it was fun watching these guys come in from, you know, South Korea and Japan and like all over the world representing their countries. Like that part's cool. But then, you know, I'm also looking at some of them going, man, I train with kids that didn't make the games that were better than almost all of them. And so it felt weird, like seeing them compete side by side. It almost felt like there should have been like some different cutoff, but I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they'll resolve some of that with the new changes that are coming and make it feel a little more even. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm making sense. I get, I get what you mean from like a, from like a skill level perspective. I did like it because I liked the um, national, the international aspect of it. it felt like the Olympics. I was like, this is cool. Like the people from all these countries are friggin' stoked to be here. And they know, like, they know where they qualified in the open. Like they know that they're not like getting into the top 10. But like, if you look at it as an exercise to bring CrossFit to the world and represent what we're doing in the world for health and for fitness and for community, then I like it. If you're looking at it from a com- competition perspective, then like you say, Neil, like my heart breaks for people who are like just outside of the qualifying ring from a sanctional or from the open or from whatever, and they don't get that experience, and, but someone else who isn't quite as good at, as them does. I see it from both sides. So, yeah, like I said, when I, when I got into CrossFit, it was the fittest that went. The mm-hmm. topic doesn't matter where you're from, the fittest went. And I'm not trying to take anything away nationally. I have much respect for all the athletes. I work with a lot of people out in the Philippines and stuff like that and all in Asia. I've been working out there. But the biggest thing is, is like I said, the fittest, if we talk about the fittest in the earth, that means we bring the fittest to the table. You don't bring, you you know, I like the format of the top 40 fittest people because you had the fittest, you know, when you do 200 or whatever we had, I don't even remember what it was, we'll break <laughs> change it up to be. It just, you know, it, it just changed. But I know the powers to be are in, in, in power now. And the person who did take over, who changed up the format is out. So uh, I'm excited about what the future of the sport brings. Because like I said, I dedicated 10 years of my life to this. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like new yeah. guy, Eric, as we call the new guy, new guy, Eric is going to address this. So he just, na- I forget the guy name, but he named somebody in charge of kind of international CrossFit with the goal of being CrossFit's no longer just North America. You know, like when you, and and he wants to, you know, I forget what his number was, but it was huge. Like they're wanting to grow out China and Asia and, and Russia and Europe and, and build it out. And so hopefully those national champions coming out of those countries, if they truly build it out, will be true national champions. Like when you, you talk to a lot of those kids coming in and again, all, all props to them for making it, but most of them trained here in the States. You know, Mm -hmm. they just said they had the benefit of being here studying and they worked out in CrossFit gyms. They got really fit. There's not really CrossFit in their country. So maybe, you know, you get four or five years of having some affiliates in some of these countries and you'll have some real serious athletes come out of there. And then you will have the fittest on earth, which Mm. would be pretty cool. So I mean, if you if you look at it now, they're they're getting fitter. There ain't no question about it. Oh, yeah. World is getting fitter. So they are catching up. Uh, it's kind of like uh, if you look at NBA, uh, not even NBA, but if you look at basketball, USA basketball, how USA dominated for so many years. And then we uh, launched our whole campaign of USA traveling all through Europe and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, all through Asia, all of a sudden, those basketball programs all started to rise. Now you had people who knocked the USA off. And so, you know, that's what's going to happen. I mean, yeah. I see it happening, but it was just, you know, like I said, that whole format kind of just like, really, I did all this stuff. And now this is a format is just, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, speaking of the good old days, that's actually how, so Neil and I were chatting just a couple of weeks ago because um, everyone, all the sort of like media folks who dabble with Morning Chalk Up were writing our like favorite moments, like quote unquote, like articles about this was like the moment I remember at games the most. It was like me and Justin and Tommy and like all these people that have spent time on the competition floor. And when they, when they approached me and asked me to write an article about like, what was my favorite games moment ever that I remember just like popped into my head was the day that Neil like retired and like didn't tell anyone it was coming. And like, we had spent like four days like locked arm in arm right in front of that stupid plexiglass doing interviews like and sweating all over me and you know winning left and right and and like I feel like I knew his whole life that week I was like he's been training here and he's been eating this and his mom's been sick and all this stuff's happening in his life and we're like best friends right now and then I had no idea that show was coming no idea and he like wins the last event and like the crowd goes crazy and he's like high-fiving everyone and he just takes his nanos off and slips them right under his barbell and walks away and I'm like oh oh my god oh my god God." it was like the craziest legendary moment um that and so I wrote that article and then we reconnected and I was like man you have to come on the podcast because that was absolutely tops my number one moment working games with doing teams and masters teenagers elite individuals that was the one for me 100%. well i'll tell you i'll tell you that that really i mean the article really you know like it like i said it humbled me and great for that for that experience with you and uh, being able to compete on that world stage um going back to that just to talk a little bit about that Mm-hmm. And uh, 2015, my last year in the open division, I uh, tore my adductor and um, I thought that was, I thought I was retiring right then and there um, because when I was walking out on the field for the sprint, I couldn't run. The doctors were out there. They wouldn't let me run. I had an MRI, had a tear uh, and I thought that was it. And so pretty much I was pretty much, pretty much done at that time with CrossFit competing. And the only reason being, is being 37 years old. I knew I was on, I knew I was on the tailwind out, meaning, you know, father time was taking, taking over. There ain't no if, ands, or buts. I'm on, I'm going to be a realist, you know, and, uh, 37 turning 38. And so I was like, okay, I'm pretty much out. And then I just remember I had surgery, had things corrected and all that stuff. And then that year, uh, mid year, I got a message from Dave, uh, about the, uh, 35 to 39 division. And once I got that, I was like, okay, I don't want to compete, but let me, <laughs> my, let me get my, let me see what I can do and get myself back into it and stuff like that. So I got it back into it, got myself ready, competed in 35 to 39, but the, but I, I just still wasn't ready from the surgery that just uh, the surgery that I had. And I just wasn't back up to peak shape. And so I mean, you say that, but you did come in second, but I wasn't. In, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I came in second. Yeah, but, I stood on, I stood on top of the podium, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I look at my overall performance and where I was at and stuff and being an athlete for so many years, I went in there. I wasn't in a peak state. I went in mm-hmm. there, not in a peak state. And uh, you know what? I don't blame anyone but myself. Kyle Casper Bauer was the better athlete that day. And I, I give my credit to him. I'm not going to take anything. He had his game plan. He was ready. And so when Gabe, Dave Castro set us up for the open, I was like, excuse my language, but fuck that. He's mm-hmm. not. I don't give a shit. He's not beating me because now I have more than a couple of months to get myself back from surgery. I am getting my ass right. And we competed in the open and I was not, 
you know, I, I gamed it big time because right when I got in front of him, I just did enough to keep him to chase. And I just let him, you know, Ooh. I just did enough to just keep him to chase. So I'd go, let him chase, slow down when I saw him stop, let him chase. And so, and so I baited him and, um, you know, same thing that he did to me when I was competing against him. And so I just threw it back. And so that's when I got him. And then that's when I knew I was like, okay, I'm getting my legs back under me. I'm getting back into shape. Things are going well. But the main reason why I competed in the 40 uh, to 44 division was because Sean Ramirez called me out. Ooh, that's and, uh, right. I remember that. He called me out. He sent this, uh, he sent this big old Facebook post. And so what I did is I printed that Facebook post and I posted it up on my wall. And every day when I left, I saw that post. That post, that post fueled me and gave me fire because one thing, Sean is a great, well, well you know, good for yeah. the masters, you know, sure. but he isn't Rich Frowning. He's not Matt Frazier. He's not Jason. I competed against all those dudes. And I'm going to tell you, I competed. I know what the top of the top are about. I'm not taking anything away from masters, but if you look at the podium of 35 to 39, it was me, Chris Beeler and uh, Kyle Kasperbauer, all former games athletes. That's right. If you, you know, and so when you see that you have the cream of the crop, you have the guys who competed in that open division who have the pedigree and all that. And I'm not taking anything away from anyone else. It's just when you, when you train and you compete with the best is just your level is up here. And then people are trying to catch you. You still are just pulling away, but father time slows you down. And so I still had a little bit of it, but Sean Ramirez gave me so much motivation and uh, so much thunder that when I got into the master's division, um, some of the guys were telling me how Sean Ramirez was and how he treated a lot of them. And uh, when he did that, I just was, I was upset and I was upset because that wasn't what the sport's about. The sport is about integrity, honor, and you treat your fellow competitor with respect and you really got to treat the judges with respect. And so I had my model this whole weekend was to crush him no matter what. And not only that show much as much gratitude and appreciation for the people who are out there, dedicating their time and their, and, and their, their time to help us because I was a volunteer at the CrossFit games in 2009. I understand how hard that is. I understand mm-hmm. long hours sitting out in the sun all day, the whole nine yards and not getting paid for it. Yeah. And so that's all I did is I went out there and uh, gave him a taste of his own medicine. And just so you know, because I saw the post, you said that we were going back and forth and he was close. I had the, I had the master's event won by Saturday. I didn't even have to compete. I on know. Some, and, I know. And, uh, I know. I would have been there, but, but, uh, yeah. So that was a whole thing. I trained my butt off. Like I never did in my life before. And all the failures that I had in the open division and all the previous years, I made sure that I didn't repeat those mistakes and that I changed my game plan. So whatever I did before I went through and dissected every single year and I did exactly the opposite. And then that's when I went in and I was like, man, only if I knew this when I was 32 years old, when I started <laughs> Yup. Oh, it, and I would say that about so many things in life, yeah, not I, just I, CrossFit. <laughs> oh my gosh. What did, what did that original, uh, the original post that sort of like sparked you? What did it say? Was it like, Neil could never win my division against me? Uh, I don't know, know how guys it, trash talk each other. Honestly, honestly, I don't have the exact words because it's been a while and I tore it down after I won. Uh, <laughs> but uh, pretty much he called out me, Matt Chan and Chris Feeler. And so, oh, okay, he got it. and so because he called us out for to be the masters and saying he was a champ. And so he called us out when he said he was a champ. And so I was like, okay, you're going to call me out. I'm going to, I'm going to show you what I can do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was like, 
the, so I'm, I try really hard. I mean, you know, this, like I have done a lot of interviews with athletes throughout the number of years. And, and I try to maintain like a level of professionalism while not being too like staunchy or formal, whatever. Like we're still like, I know you and we're just having a conversation and there happens to be a camera on. I try to maintain some sort of level of professionalism. And that is the only time I have ever cried on camera during an interview for CrossFit. Like, it's like, I can't believe what I'm witnessing. It was like historic because you're just like John said, such an OG. And this was such an epic moment. And the, the shoes and the barbell was such like a thing. And I was, yeah, for, until this day, I'm like, oh man, you'll make me cry on camera. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> well, God. Well, the questions you asked too put me in the spot that made me just break down a little bit. And I don't ever really cry on camera. So <laughs> it really, it really was a moment. You, you really put me on the, it put me on the spot, but uh, you know, that I guess, I guess what, what it was for me, what really, what really boiled up, of course it was my mom. She was the mm-hmm. first and foremost, but it was a year's of all the failures, mm. uh, you know, even though I made it to the games, you know, when you, most people are happy with making it to the games. I wasn't happy. I wanted to win. That's I go to compete to win just like all the other, well, the, the, at least I know a large majority of the top 10 and stuff like that. A lot of those guys, when I talk to them, that's what they're there for and stuff like that. But I wasn't just there to be there. I wasn't just happy to be there, but all the years of uh, uh, accumulated of me, you know, struggling and, knocking myself out because mentally I was the hardest on myself. And so mentally I was mm. the one to beat myself up and beat myself out of it. And I guess, you know, all the years of that boiling up and then for me to get that spot, finally to get that spot really, really boiled me over. And so it was tears of, uh, you know, tears of pain, tears of joy, but not only that tears of, I did this and I just didn't do it for me. I did it for, I did it for my family. I did it for my wife. I did it for my mom. I did it for my, you know, my family, my gym. That's what it was. All those support groups that were around me who helped to bring me up and stood by my side. That's what I did it for. Was it like, was it weird when, Oh God, when did this? So Sean was, um, his title was pulled or his second place podium mm-hmm. spot was pulled because he was busted for some sort of PD. And um, durable. Like oh, it was endurable. Was it the same as everyone else? Everybody, all those sanctions are for endurable. They all mysteriously get endurable. I don't know yeah. how it happens, but it was just, it was just a couple months after the title. Like it was like right. that the following season or something that, um, so what was it weird for you being like, Oh man, this whole time I went up against someone who ended up, being pulled from the competition to, because to be of honest, this. To be honest, I laughed. <laughs> I really freaking when I found that out, someone sent it to me. I just historically laughed. I just laughed my ass off. That's all I did. And uh, I guess the reason why I laughed my ass off is because I heard something in the past uh, about him, and I didn't think it was true because I knew him. Like, so here's the thing: I competed with him at the OC Throwdown way back in the day, and he was on a team with me. And he was a stand-up dude and all that stuff. But then after we competed, we won the OC Throwdown. It was like you had to have one person over forty on your team. It was me, Jen Smith, China Cho, and Sean Ramirez. And Ooh, we won- wow, what a team! We won the OC Throwdown, and uh, that was pretty interesting. And uh, Afterwards, about a couple of years later, I heard he broke his ankle and that he mysteriously wasn't doing well in the open and mysteriously, mysteriously just won the open and just did all this stuff after breaking his ankle or something like that. And then I just heard some things down the line that he would submit like the medical form when it was taken. I don't know how much of this is true or what, 
It's just people hearsay, she said, hearsay, she say, I don't know if it's true or not, but by me hearing that in the past and then seeing that he got popped in the present, it makes me wonder, did he take something in the past? Mm. Because how is it, you know, how is it that you recovered so fast from this, um, this situation, what could have knocked you out? So it makes you, it's like Lance Armstrong. If you get caught once, it makes it, it makes you question everything that you did. Yeah, of course. Look at Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds was one of the greatest hitters in baseball, but because his early years, he was great, but his later years, he got popped for whatever the hell he did. It makes you question everything he did instead of just, you know, you know, the titles that he won. It makes you question mm-hmm. all that. So my whole thing is, is I, I'm a believer in hard work and, you know, just putting your head down and doing the work. And if you do the work, you can get the results, but you got to do the work. And so I guess that was a part why I laughed was because, you know, he talked about how great he was, but then for him to do that, it just, it made me laugh because of the simple fact that I just, I just thought it, you know, I thought it was freaking hilarious because I just, I, I don't know. It just was hilarious to me. My thought is like, is like, damn, you're, you're that good. You're better than dudes who need help. (laughs) Dudes who like, like people are like trying to assist themselves with things even outside of their own bodies. And you still crush it. That was like, to me, I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. I'll tell you you, that was the number one year of the best mental preparation I've ever, 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 ever had in my life. Hmm. That goes to, isn't that so much of the game? Yep. It goes to, it goes to everything. And, you know, before I do interviews and I said, oh yeah, I got my mental game tight. I got this. No, I didn't. And let me tell you why. Um, every year I'd go into the uh, CrossFit games and then they, they would announce that damn, even though I trained for it, they announce a damn swim event in the ocean. Yeah, and, yeah, and like that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh shit. All of a sudden my mind would go to that place. Like, oh shit, there's not my event. I'm going to fucking come in almost last it because you know, I'm, I'm a power athlete, not an endurance, true endurance athlete. And so I would knock myself out mentally before I even got myself to compete. So when I knock myself out mentally, this goes for anyone. If you knock yourself out mentally before you go to compete, I don't care how good you are. You cannot recover. You can see it in basketball players. Matter of fact, if you look at the LA Clippers, that guy, Paul George right now, he's not playing right now. If you, if you guys are into basketball, because mentally he's out of it until he could switch, switch a, a switch, a, um, a flip a switch in his brain and get himself back on track. He's completely out of it. And so that's what I did is I'd knock myself out. And even though I won some events in the games and all that stuff, it, it, it still wasn't enough for me to climb myself back. So I took all those experiences of those losses and all that pain and uh, I wrapped it up in a nice present to myself and the present to myself was in my notepad every single day. And so what I did was on the first page, I created a, I created a vision board on my, on my notepad. And what I did was I put every, all the best champions I've ever seen in my life. I put them on that front page and every day before I opened up my book to get ready to train, I saw those champions. And when I saw those champions, I thought about everything they said. I had Serena Williams on one. I had uh, Tom Brady, even though I'm a Niner fan, I had Tom Brady on another one because the guy has six titles. How can you take that away from him? Mm-hmm. And I had Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is probably the most, uh, you know, he's one of my, you know, he's like a, I, I idolize that guy. That guy was, he brought me to sports and gave me the thunder that I wanted, but that that's what I did. And every single day, that's what I focused on. I, I focused on, I read a lot of their stuff and I focused on, what were the things and what 
insights that they focused on each and every day. And I took it to heart what Michael Jordan said. He said he never competed with anybody else but the best version of himself. Mm-hmm. And every time, every year prior to that year, I always can, I saw what other people's times were. It was like, oh, I have to beat that time instead of me competing with the best version or the best version of myself. And so that's what I did is I chased to beat myself, the best version of myself each and every day. And when that happened, it allowed me to compete, compete, you know, just with freedom and, and, and just be, it allowed me to be myself and not have any guard up or anything like that. And that's why I was able to show so much gratitude and be grateful for the moment because I was finally me. Yeah, that was the coolest part for sure. And that's such powerful advice. Like we had we had Chris Henshaw on here. How long ago was it? a couple months ago? And um, he was talking about Fraser's training, and it's the same thing. Like he goes back and looks at his own workouts mm-hmm. and analyzes things he did wrong, not what other people did against him or how someone beat him. He just looks at his work and tries to be a better champion of his of himself. You know and. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really great advice to look at at what you can do, not what others are doing around you. Although I will say, as someone from Cleveland, I'm a little hurt you didn't have LeBron in that list of champions. <laughs> oh my god, man! You know, LeBron James. Mm, uh, I, so here's the thing: I'm a fan of Cleveland. I have. I'm a fan of. A matter of fact, I'm a fan, a big fan of um, Urban Meyer. Big fan of him. There you go. And I'll tell you, I. I I read his book and stuff like that. And matter of fact, a lot of the stuff that he wrote in his book, um, that's a lot of those, a lot of those lessons that I learned from him in his book, I applied to when I was competing. Oh, cool. Like the R factor and all the different things that he talked about in his foot, in his book. So I am a fan of him and I am a fan of, uh, Bosa because he's a beast for my team. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing how many champions have this same, this mindset is just, it's, it's the thing with the real champion. Like, mm-hmm. and it's never the people inside, like, you know, I, I hate to pick on Ramirez who's been talking about him, but he was taking something and smack talking. That's not the mind of a champion. Yep. I mean, you said it earlier, like, that's not the spirit of our sport, but that's not the spirit of a champion. Right. You know, like champions don't care about calling out other people. They only want to beat themselves or be better than they were yesterday. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's why it's like, like you see something like that happen. It's not even shocking that he got busted. Well, it's interesting to me too, that it, that type of a mindset seems to allow you to be in the moment so much more than getting down on yourself because the guy in the lane next to you was going faster or like, you know, not being able to like appreciate what's happening around you or the fact that you've got yourself there. Like the fact that you can be in the moment and be grateful for the moment because you earned it against yourself just seems to be so much more. I, I don't know. It, it gives you a different aura when you're on the field of play and everyone will tell you that Neil was like, he was like last off the field. The athlete control people were like, come on, Neil, let's go hurry up because he was too busy saying thank you and shaking hands with every single volunteer that was out on the floor. He's the only one that did that. I mean, realistically in the masters and teens division, the age group divisions, a lot of people are wonderful and grateful. And you do, you do see that a lot, but like, <laughs> we were like, Neil, Hurry up. You got it. We got another, we got more people coming in. You got to, you got to hurry up your handshakes, bro. Come on, let's go. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is, is like I said, I wanted to show, I just wanted to show how much I appreciated everyone there because you want to know something part, part, part of the thing that I think I missed uh, earlier in when I was competing was 
I never got to really, even in the open division, I never enjoyed any of the process. I didn't enjoy and just sit back and just enjoy it. And that year that I competed, I really had, honestly, it was the best, best time I've ever had competing in my life. The best time. It's awesome. Because I was grateful to be, I was so grateful. And all I did was just toss out gratitude. And that's all I was. That's all I did. And you want to know something? It made my experience the best experience that I ever had at the CrossFit Games. And, and, And there's been a lot of moments that I had at the Games, but that was the best experience. It's kind of funny because on day, even though, so here's a perfect example. On the last final day, we had that, uh, the first workout, we had the sandbag and uh, the, I think, sandbag and GHD workout. Mm-hmm. Yep. I threw out my back. Okay. So a lot of people don't know this. I broke my back when I was in high school. And so I get reoccurring injuries there uh, due to the fact that I was almost paralyzed from the waist down. Oh my God. So even though I rehab myself back, if you ever know anything about injuries, if you ever had surgeries or anything like that, even when you have them, they never come back 100%. You can get them better, but never 100%. And so even when you try to train it to be people like, oh, it's stronger than it's ever been. It's, it, it's been injured. You got screws there. Shit is never going to be the same. You're going to have a limitation that will come up. But when it comes up is as you get older. That's when things start to reappear. And so I was in the back warming up and I threw out my back. Oh, my I'll, God. In a warm-up? Well, yeah, in the warm up, I threw out my back and I was just like, what the hell? I mean, I'm warming up. What the hell? And so when I went out, people were like, well, my wife was like, what the hell are you afterwards was saying? Like, what were you doing? It looked like you weren't even working. I was like, I was pushing myself. I just was in major pain. Mm -hmm. And so the last workout, what was told to me was this, because I, I got the moment and this was when I knew I had to retire. I sat down. And uh, when I sat down in the back and it was right before the last event, I always told myself, if I'm not fun with what I'm doing, it's time for me to lead a sport. Mm-hmm. And I had fun being there, but the fun left me of the getting the nerves and the anxiety and all that stuff. That just wasn't fun to me anymore. That wasn't, I, I you know, to, to have my adrenal glands go here and just shoot them to shit each and every year. It just wasn't fun to me anymore. And so that's when I decided right then and there, you know, it's over. And so the person who I brought with me at the time who was there, you know, we we're talking and I said, yeah, this is it. He's all, you know, you have one more event. What are you going to do in this one more of this last event? And I always told myself, how do you want to be remembered? And I thought about Michael Jordan and the last time when he competed on the stage and when he just did his last shot and he did the shot and just held it and stuff, you know, how do you want to be remembered? And I just remember doing that workout with a blown out back with thrusters, with the, I think it's a bar muscle up, chest Mm -hmm. pull up. My back was killing me. But at the end of the day, I said, how do I want people to remember me in this sport? And how I wanted to go out was I wanted people to remember that, you know, if you're going to do this sport and if you're going to compete, lay it all out on the line and leave it all on the floor and don't have any regret. Because you know how many, any, how many times I competed in the open division and I overpaced myself and I, afterwards I was like, you know, did I really give my all? John Wooden said a, a, a quote, he's all, you'll know if you won or lose an event. It's not about the scoreboard. It's whether you sit back and know, did you give your best or did you just give part of yourself? And that day, that weekend, every single, every single workout, I gave it my all. And I thought, you know, you can't go back in life. And so 
when I, you know, I sat there and I'm like, I can't go back, but I learned from all the experiences that I had in the, uh, in the divi- open division from going through those workouts and knowing that I only gave 75%, 80%, not a hundred percent. And knowing that I did that, you know, I accepted that I made mistakes and I had, I failed, but that's why I ended up succeeding is because I learned from those failures and I apply those failures to be able to succeed later on down the road. I know it doesn't carry the same weight being in the masters versus the open division, but I'm so grateful for those experiences and being around all those athletes and competing with all those great athletes, because that allowed me to step into the 40, 40, 40 to 44 division and just dominate it. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick mid show break and talk about our sponsors this evening. Nikki, we have airwave who we just had on the show. Uh-huh. And I am uh, really excited to be able to announce some Black Friday deals coming up. If you're uh, listening to this before the holiday hits, now is your time to act. If you heard us talking about the cool performance mouth pieces that um, help improve your respiratory rate and like, you know, give you kind of like a second wind while you work out. And I promise you stop drooling after you wear them one or two times. Um, now is your time to act. So uh, they are, they're a newer-ish company that just hit the market and they're taking advantage of Black Friday by offering product launch pricing. So uh, the air piece, or sorry, the Airwave mouthpiece is only $29.95 and they'll have free shipping through November 30th. So if you heard on the show and you heard us talking to Dr. Gardner about how smart she is and badass she is and how she did all the research to show that you could really use this type of a mouthpiece while you train to improve your performance now is the time. Well, I love mine for whatever that's worth, but I'm a natural drooler, so I couldn't tell the difference. Oh, so it's no different for you. No No difference. difference No difference. And speaking of things that you drool over, our other (gasps) sponsor is Fleo. Ah, I know. And this is perfect timing too for Fleo because Fleo only runs one sale per year ever. And it is for Black Friday. So this year they are doing a buy two, get one promotion uh, across the entire store. And they'll have more than 50 new items being released from leggings, sports bras, uh, tops, sweatshirts, and obviously shorts. They are Leo shorts. Um, It's a big deal. Like in the past, and I know this too, I'm just saying this as a fan, not because they are one of our sponsors, but in the past, I know they're like limited release and their fast sales and stuff for black Friday have like left people feeling kind of upset because you'll like put something in your car and then you'll go to check out. And by the time you check out, like it's kind of gone. And I know that despite all the difficulties of 2020 and getting product and, you know, manufacturing, whatever the folks over at Fleo have been working so, so hard to try and mitigate those issues because they really want everyone to be happy, myself included, because I've been one of those customers before they were ever a you know, sponsor of the show. So check them out and be worth it. Starts on Thanksgiving day at 11 PM CST and runs let's, through Cyber Monday. Let's be honest. You're obsessed. Every time I flip over to your story, I there's, know. there's you with your camera in the mirror and I go, Oh, I wonder what Fleo she's going to be wearing today. The tights or the shorts, <laughs> the shorts or the tights. Hey, the wad outfit of the day posts are very popular. Okay. I'm, Sure they are. I'm just being salty because Fleo doesn't make men's stuff. But, you know. I know. You guys are allowed. I still, I say every time, squeeze yourself into a pair of damn blue (laughs) shorts. You got the buns for it. You totally do. No. No one needs to see that. And it would be counterproductive to Fleo trying to sell merchandise. (laughs) So we will not be doing that. But everybody else, go out and take advantage of these two sales. I think they'll be great for you. So with that, we will get back to our uh, conversation with Neil Maddox. 
It, I think it carries weight, Neil. I'm 50. I think so, so too. I say it carries weight. I mean, it, you know, because here's the thing, like, it, you know, the, the guys in the open division, they don't know what it's like to wake up in the morning and go, well, my ankle's hurt now for no good reason. So, <laughs> you know, they don't know what that's like. They don't in, know what it's like oh to go. It's in true. fairness, Neil knew what that was like even when he was still in the open division. <laughs> well, I mean, in look, fairness, because you, there was not his final year in the open division. There was not 35 to 39 yet. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's like, why I'm all. Just imagine if they had a 35 to 39 division when I was, I started, I, I, my first year in the open was the first year competing in the games was 32 years old. So it's yeah. like, you know, I'm just sitting there like, just imagine, but who, I mean, honestly, I, I, I am so, so grateful that I had the opportunity to be in the open division and I'm just so grateful for the sport, the sport in general. I know the sport, you know, is I, I believe in my heart, I believe the sport is going to look, they already changed the open back to where it needs to be. Yeah. I believe in my heart that the sport will get back to where it needed to be. We had like a one to two year runoff, but I know it's going to get back and I know it's going to be even greater than ever. Because when I look at the new leader that they have, I think that I think they picked wisely and I think they picked the right leader and then putting Dave Castro back in that role and mm-hmm. back where they need to be. I really believe that CrossFit is going to, you know, dominate this new, the t- 2020 to the 2030 era. era. Yeah. I, I sincerely hope you're right. And I agree with you. I think that we are for sure seem to be headed in the right direction. I have a lot of faith in new guy, Eric and Dave Castro is just masterful at what he does. And I'm really glad that he's still in that role, but given the fact that things have been so weird, especially 2020, especially just in the last few months, we've seen so many changes and gyms deciding to part ways with CrossFit. And what, what have you been going through with your affiliate and where are you at now with all the different changes? Uh-huh. So what happened was with, uh, so uh, let me just talk about the black lives matter thing that happened. Yeah. Uh, so when that happened, I had, so how can I say it? I've been, so I've been dealing with the COVID situation with my gym being closed and it's still a close. Okay. I love my gym. I love my clients and I wanted to deliver to them. And a lot of people didn't sign up for online training. They signed up for brick and mortar training. It's just different. A lot of people don't have access to equipment. A lot of people don't have access to things. And so I was dealing with that crisis. You know, when every single month when you lose members and stuff like that, and you have to pay overhead on a facility that you cannot, cannot have anyone in, it puts a lot of stress and pressure on you. Then in San Jose, where I live, there's riots happening. And people mm-hmm. that I know, their businesses were getting looted. And so I am part African-American. And being part African-American I agree with the whole Black Lives Matter, but what I didn't agree was with what they're how they're doing it by rioting and stealing from minority-owned businesses just like them. It, two wrongs don't make a right, you know. I support the Black Lives Matter. I'm saying it now. I support it completely, but I don't support people vandalizing and stealing from other people who are in hard situations. I just don't support that, and so. I chose to keep my voice quiet. And why I chose to keep quiet was because I was always told this. If you're going to present a problem, you better have a damn good solution. And all these people are presenting these problems, but I didn't see a solution. What was the solution? How are we going to resolve this? And so I was in a catch-22 because I didn't have the solution. I had ideas, but I didn't know which one was the right solution. And so by me staying quiet, I got attacked by my own race. I got attacked by people who are African-American and just calling me 
not, not, you know, saying that I'm not black enough. I mean, some of the words that were called to me on social media in my message inbox, I don't even want to share them. They're very, uh, uh, very hurtful, but calling me an uncle Tom and all this stuff. I'm sitting there like, really? Because I'm not voicing. Here's the thing. I have a white mother. My mother is full-blooded Italian, blonde hair, blue eyes. My mom is white. Okay. My dad is black. I love both of them. Okay. I love both sides of my family. And you know, it, it just, it was very hard for me. It was very hard. You know, it, it, it was just a hard situation. And I understand I've been discriminated on numerous times. I went to school up in Oregon. I experienced a lot of stuff, but I don't focus on that. I focus on moving forward and trudging ahead and trying to be a difference. And how did I focus on that? I focused on educating myself and learning how to speak properly so I can put myself in groups to get them to understand that, hey, even though I'm African-American, I've educated myself to a point where I can sit at this table and compete with you. Not only that, I can compete with you mentally, physically, you know, and verbally, you know. And so I educated myself so I can not backtrack myself. And so where I was going with this is that when Greg Glassman said what he said, I didn't know he said anything. Like I said, I was so wrapped up in my business, you know. I was wrapped up in my mom because, yes, my mom, even though it's been two years, my mom has been in and out of the hospital. Mm. She's had major medical. But now we just found out that she does have lung cancer. Mm. So here's the thing. If you notice me right now, I'm not going to sit there. I'm not going to be sad. I'm going to be grateful and I'm going to be happy and I'm going to celebrate her life now. Because if I'm sad now, that's all I'm going to see is sadness. I'm not going to celebrate that she's still here with me now. Right. Right, of course. So me, I'm just grateful every single time I get to talk to her. I'm ecstatic. I'm happy as hell. And why is because I still have a mom who's here. And I don't know how long that's going to be. And so going back to what I uh, going back to what I was saying, uh, you know, with people bashing me and all that stuff, I got a bunch of hate mail getting sent to me because I didn't say anything about CrossFit. And then when I read Greg Glassman's quote, I sat there and I didn't agree with it. And so right then and there. I got very upset and I pulled myself away and said, I was going to de-affiliate. The reason why I was going to de-affiliate was because of the situation at hand. I didn't think that it was, I know Greg, I know he, I knew how he was when I worked for HQ and stuff. I didn't know how he changed. And so I was just shocked and I was embarrassed and I was hurt. And not only that, like I said, I didn't de-affiliate because of what was being attacked by me. I de-affiliated because I want to do what was right. I didn't want to support somebody who was going to say something or even attack women or just belittle women. Okay. That's, that's big to me. When I read the Andy Stumps uh, article, that's huge to me because like I said, I had a mother who I grew up in a household and I'm not saying that my father was right, but he beat my mother and I had to see that as a kid. So I do not agree with that. I have a daughter. And I try to teach her how to be a strong, the strong, powerful woman she is. And I'll support her to the day that I die. And I don't support people who are going women bash or doing any of that stuff because how I look, I just don't agree with it. But I de-affiliated and I was very upset with everything and all that stuff. But then with the changes that have happened and by talking to Eric, talking to Dave Castro, seeing the change that was happening, them hearing my voice and hearing what I have to say and the changes that they're going to make moving forward, I decided to keep my affiliate. So even though I detached, 
I reattached. And why did I reattach? They made the moves, and I believe that they have a leader in place who's going to make the moves that are going to make CrossFit great again. It's almost like how, well, I don't want to mention make America great. It's going to make CrossFit great again. I don't Oh, wanna... we run that joke all the time. No oh, worries. Because we're not, we're not big fans of the administration, if you will, yeah. but we, we always joke about the making pods great again. And John is obviously make pods great again. So we were right there with you. So, yeah. So, I am back on board with CrossFit 110%. I love CrossFit because like I said, CrossFit, I would never be sitting here in front of you guys if it wasn't for CrossFit. If it wasn't for all the stuff that I did and all all the sacrifices I made to compete in CrossFit, I wouldn't be here today. So I'm still I'm so grateful for it and I'm grateful that I can still say that I'm a part of it. And like mm-hmm. I said, there was a part where I had to deattach myself, but I reattached because like I said, I believe and who is leading the way now. And I'm going to ride with them until they prove me wrong. Yeah, I 100% agree. And if if people have listened to like all of our episodes, and they're probably sick of hearing me say this, but I, because I've said it a million times, but I, I really like am thankful for the folks that stood up right away and said, I'm sorry, I can't be a part of this because that mass exodus is what I believe forced a lot of these changes. Like I do believe that Greg would still be at the top of the chain here if it wasn't like, nope, everyone's out and sponsors are out and brands are out and affiliates are out. And, and, you know, for the affiliates that didn't leave, I also understand why they couldn't leave because they don't, they weren't sure they could fly their own flags and they needed CrossFit to support their business. And like, everyone was right. Everyone just did what they felt was right. But I'm very thankful for the people who were able to, to fly their own flag and step away from CrossFit in order to spark these changes. But now that everything's good, I just really hope that everyone comes back into the fold and that like we can all be CrossFit and we can all be the same community. And I don't want to like travel and look at functional fitness gyms and wonder if I can drop in there because like, mm-hmm. did I used to be an affiliate? Like, are you still in law? You know, and, and like you said, until new guy Eric proves us wrong or until something just doesn't feel right to us anymore, like it really feels like we're in an awesome spot to welcome people back into the fold. And obviously some people like broke off, do their own thing. And there's, you know, their own branches of fitness and their own affiliate programs. I think that's cool. Like everyone's got to do what's best for their own business, but I'm just really happy that, that people like you are doing what you need to do for yourself and what you feel is right for your own community, but that you still are feeling like we're all headed in the right direction. You're coming back. Like I'm just keeping all of my fingers and toes crossed that more and more gyms, start to feel that way because we're, because we're doing the right thing with CrossFit. Yeah. And so, you know, you know, Eric calling me personally and talking to me really was one of the major deciding factors and um, really talking and then being a part of the affiliate group and uh, talking and them listening to it. Like I was, I worked for HQ and before you, you couldn't really have a voice, but now they're like listening, there's a voice. And so, when I heard it, everyone show their concern and really listen to what we had to say, what we had to say and everything that really made me realize, okay, change is happening. This, this, this is big. And, uh, I want to help this change happen. And, uh, it's funny because I called Dave Castro and I told him about what I thought would be ideal that can help CrossFit. And I talked about how when I was younger, if it wasn't for boys and girls clubs that I had when I was a kid, that kept me off the streets. And when it kept me off the streets, it put me in an environment to lead me to success. And if it wasn't for those boys and girls clubs, I would have been down the dark road. And so if you look at the scholarship program that they came up with, and, you know, I talked to Dave about this before they rolled it out and I know Chuck is running it, but they're giving back to, you know, 
it's not just minorities, but, you know, kids in general who are in, um, in a, in a, in a field that maybe is not, um, beneficial to them. Mm -hmm. And they're teaching them skills that can help to lead to the jobs later down the road. If they're really, truly love fitness and stuff. And so when they applied that and listened to my ideas and all that stuff and started to apply that, that really showed me that, okay, I want to be, I want to grow with this. I want to be able to help other youth really, because what I used to do at my gym is I'd bring kids in who are underprivileged. It didn't matter who they were. And I worked with kids who are underprivileged and I gave them a free membership. The only thing that they had to do was show me their report card and they had to do good in school. If they they did good in school, I trained them. And I did that for many years. I did that for a lot of years, but then uh, it kind of, the program kind of went away when the last two years when I was training for the masters, because I was traveling and on the road most of the time. And I just wasn't here to manage and maintain it because it was a free program that I work with these kids with. Right. That's amazing. That's some serious yeah. dad moves right there. It is. Well, but did you do your homework? Because you can't lift until you've done your homework. No, <laughs> so that's what, so basically Whenever anybody asks me, why did I open up my facility? Why did I do it? The number one reason why I opened up my facility was one, I wanted to help people. The biggest thing what I thought about is I wanted to be a sanctuary for people who either had low self-esteem, people who who, who felt like they, they just weren't getting things out of life that were going to lead them in a positive way. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to create like almost an adult version of a boys and girls club. Well, you come here, you're going to have the best support in the world. You're going to have a coach on you who's going to drive you to be the best version of yourself. And, you know, but not only not only that, you're going to be a part of a community that's going to uplift you. And uh, it's kind of funny because when I told you when I retired, my focus was going to be on my family. But my focus really is still on my family. But it's really has been on my family and my gym is because what I realized is because I was competing for so many years, the culture in my gym changed. And it was the culture that I wanted. It wasn't the culture that I originally created. And so I've been in my business loving every day of it, even during COVID, because I got to change the culture back to what I wanted to be. And what it is, is exactly what I want it to be. It's an environment that uplifts people and that it brings everyone together and everyone's striving towards one thing. And that's to be the best version of their self. And that's what I love the most is that that's what gets me fired up. That wakes me up each and every day is that I get to work with people and get them to be the best version of their self. But not only that, I get to give them the best hour of their day. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's why I'm doing it. That's so uh, cool. The, the thing that was most disappointing for me during all of the craziness that went on with CrossFit, you know, Nikki and I kind of went on in early and I was using my platform to tell people that CrossFit had a diversity problem. And this is actually what I meant, what you're talking about. It isn't that CrossFit itself is racist or, or tries to keep diversity out of the gyms. It's that the CrossFit Inc. at the time, prior to New Guy Eric, had zero focus on really telling the story of what's really going on in the affiliates, the ones that are getting it right. Your affiliate was getting it right. So when you think about it, like you're out here working boys and girls clubs, you're bringing kids in and giving them free memberships, you're checking their report cards and like doing all these amazing things. And CrossFit HQ is not telling that story when they should, because other affiliates would learn from it. They would absolutely learn from it and probably implement it. Imagine the diversity that would grow out from that. And all of a sudden these kids that you're checking their report cards, 
five, six, seven, 10 years later are now coming in and getting L1s and becoming coaches and affiliate owners and and so probably build, games athletes at that yeah, point. Jeez, and, and they've been training athletes. since they were kids. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and building that out, like a, that would be amazing. And then you compound that by saying, because they haven't been pushing this out, when this issue hits, people start sending you DMs and calling you an Uncle Tom. Like that's, that's so what's heartbreaking up. about it. Like absolutely heartbreaking. You're out there doing the hard work and people are going, why are you silent, man? Why are you silent? When they're out is, you've been screaming for years. Yeah. You know, and that for me, I hope if if new guy Eric and his his team address anything, anything at all is this, which is get the message out. There are so many affiliates just like yours doing the hard work day in and day out that it, other affiliates need to hear it. That's where the education happens. And and honestly, that's where the growth and like and what, what I think the community and the spirit of CrossFit is is incredibly uplifting and. And we're just curious on for decades. You know, it, what's kind of funny is that, you know, CrossFit provided me. So I, I always told my mom growing up, I'm going to be a professional athlete, mom. I'm going to make it to the NFL. And I tried for years to make it to the NFL and failed miserably. <laughs> I just, you know, hey, there's some freaking studs out there. I failed. Uh-huh. You know? But it, what I realized that I, I, my calling wasn't football. It was CrossFit. And so that's why I was able to go into CrossFit and just go full-fledged. But uh, the reason why I, I bring this up is because it allowed me to get endorsements. And when I got endorsements, with those endorsements, it's, it's, you know, I don't know what other people do with their endorsements, but what I'd do is I'd order a shit ton of shoes and all that stuff from Reebok, and I'd give them out to people who are left, left, uh, less privileged. Mm. I'd go out down the street, and I'd see a homeless person. I'd give them a pair of shoes. I'd give them a pair of clothes. I'd, I'd literally... You know, I had people inside my gym, like the, my, you know, some of the other trainers and stuff who had family members who are hurting that I would get them a whole wardrobe and stuff. And so a lot of that stuff I didn't use for myself, even though I could have used for myself, I used it to build other people up and give them things and just to give back. And that's, you know, I never, I, you know, just talking to you gets me to reflect that I was like, oh shit, I, I, I've been doing this the whole time. I didn't never really sat down and really thought about it until we started bringing up this conversation, but that's what I did. I, I just give back to my people, you know, because if it wasn't for people giving, helping me out when we we're at our hardest time with my family, it, I would never have been able to uplift myself to be here in front of you guys. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm starting to realize more so in it, more so than anything as I get older is that, you know, of course we all want to be successful. We all want to make a great living and all that stuff, but what do we do with that great living? What are we doing? Are we benefiting our community? Are we benefiting the people around us? Are we uplifting the people who, who are out there who are struggling? Because I'm going to tell you right now, in San Jose, the homeless problem that I see is the worst that it's ever been. The worst that I, and it's only getting, getting worse. And what I realize is, yes, my place is the people have broken in, stolen things and all that stuff. But at my, in my heart, when that, when that happened, what I told myself was, you want to know something? Someone needed that item more than me. Right. I couldn't be upset. It's not the right thing to do, but someone needed it more than me. And I hope that it's edu- I hope it's benefiting them to the fullest. But that's what I'm doing now, and that's what I'm dedicated to moving forward is just trying to give back in any way to help uplift people. And that's what we need more than anything right now because COVID has a lot of people in a dark place. And believe it or not, my 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 light is shining brighter than it's ever has. 
is because of the simple fact that that's my mission. My mission is to help people and get people out of that dark place and experience the best life that they can. And it's not too late. It doesn't matter if you're 60, 70, it's never too late. I'm in my forties and I'm enjoying life. It's never too late to have that a bigger, you know, to have that uplifting lifestyle. It, there's, it's never too late. You can yeah. pull yourself out of any mess or any darkness. I think it's so important that you and people like you, like if you are shining light, like shine as bright as you possibly can right now, because there are people out there that really need it. Like the darkness around you is darker and deeper than it ever has been before. So we we definitely need folks like you who are still out there, like uplifting people to work twice as hard. We'll come back. We got your back at some point later on, (laughs) but right now, like the world needs that because it's, it's really helpful for the people who need to hear it. Well, and oh. you will you will look back on this, Neil, and I guarantee you some of those kids that you've helped are going to come back to you five, 10, 15 years from now and, and give you some life-changing stories. It's going to have you crying like a little baby after they tell <laughs> it to you, after, after the impact you've made in their lives. There's just no way that you've trained all these kids and somebody isn't going to come back to you and say, man, you kept me off the streets. You kept mm-hmm. me out of trouble. My grades got better. I went on and to do this because of you, you know, and that, that's the real impact. So it's funny because a lot of kids that I coached who are in high school football, who I coached uh, in the uh, mid to mid to late to mid to uh, mid 2000s, uh, 2007, uh, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. I was uh, so I have a story besides the story. But anyways, I was coaching all these kids. And when I was coaching these kids, I sit back and a lot of them come back to the gym and come back to come back. Even after I coach them, they come back years later and I, you never know the impact you make until they come back mm-hmm. what you have done and how you, they didn't understand when you gave them some tough love here and there, but they understand later on down the road and stuff like that. But uh, another story I wanted to share with you guys that a lot of people don't know. It's kind of funny when I first started, when I was competing in CrossFit 2010, 11, 12 and 13, I was, uh, I was, so most people started dedicating their whole life just to training and all that stuff. I was literally, working like four jobs. I literally was the busiest freaking man in the world. And that's why I don't even know how in the hell I com- competed because I had my gym, uh, a lot of things. I was a high school football coach. I was working for CrossFit HQ traveling. And then not only that, a lot of people don't know, I ran nightclubs. I, I knew this. Hold on. I actually uh, did know this because I was going to be like, when were you running the, the bars? So I ran all that stuff. It, You see, I I just, I'm a, you know, I like to, I just like to be around. I like to be around people and I just like to be in the environment. And a nightclub is like a day club. My gym was a day club. My night, the nightclub was a nightclub. And all it is, is showing people, you know, creating an environment for people to have a great time and for people to just let loose. And that's what the day club is. And that's what the nightclub is. Mm -hmm. The nightclub experiences a little bad habits of drinking and things of that sort. But what's funny is that I never drank. People would look at me like, how in the hell can you be in this environment and never drink? Because my why was more important. My why to make it to the CrossFit Games, my Mm -hmm. why to be the best, fittest version of myself was important to me. But I did all this stuff. And then I sit back and I look and I'm like, how in the hell did I go to the, I'll literally be up all night long, working all night long and then have to come in in the morning, train classes. And remember, I was a one man show at my gym. I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I had over a hundred something members and I was a one man show. I did not have trainers at at the time. I was a one man, all this stuff. So I sit back and I'm like, how, because I look now, I'm like, I can't do that now. Uh So it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, the evolution of 
how things change and all that stuff over time. You know why? It's because you were young. That's why I can tell the same story when I was, when I was young and I was a morning news anchor and I'd wake my ass up at three o'clock in the morning to go to work. And then I would be on the news until one. And then I would coach from three 30 to six 30. And then I would train from six 30 to eight 30. Like, and that, I'm like, I, well, I was in, I was like 20 something. Of course I could sleep for four hours a night. I was fine now. Oh my God. If I had to wake my ass up at three o'clock in the morning to go to work, you would never see me again. Mark the time I died. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's, that, that was like, like I said, I sit back and I'm like, how? you know, because now I'm like, I can't do that. Well, if I really wanted to do it, I could do it, but I, I can't do that. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to do that right now, but, but those are just some of the crazy times, some of the crazy stuff that you go through and you don't realize that you're going through it. So you guys are both like the age of my kids, so I don't <laughs> want to hear it. <laughs> Feel it now, man. I'm starting to like, I understand why master starts at 35 nowadays. Cause I'm 32 and I'm like, Ooh, I'm, I'm telling you, man, it's not mm-mm. master. <laughs> master's just hits different. I'm, it absolutely does. It absolutely hits different every day. It's just an adventure. It's like, it, you know, it's like, I, you know, Neil said it earlier about like reoccurring injuries. Like I've, I injured a, I tore my bicep tendon a few years ago. And so I have days where I, you just wake up and you're like, well, guess my shoulder's not working today. You know, <laughs> For no reason whatsoever. It'll be fine tomorrow, but today not going to work at all. You know, just the way it is. You just get used to it. So perfect example. These last couple of days, uh, you know, these last couple of days I I was off. I wasn't really working out because I've had to take care of some stuff. And I've been like during this COVID time, I've been taking like, I I just like to geek out to stuff. I like to get as much education and gather and retain as much knowledge as I can. So that's what I've been doing during COVID just so I can deliver it to my people and educate them and make them the best versions of themselves. But the biggest thing is I'm sitting there. I haven't been doing anything. I'm like, what the hell does my back and my ankle hurt for? And so today I'm sitting there. I'm like, Oh, and my hip is, I'm like, I'm that's it. No more taking three days off. I'm not doing it. I'd rather just work. So here's the motto I always say. I'd rather work out each and every day and feel the soreness of working out or instead of the pain of not working out because I hurt more when I don't work out than when I work out. So I'd rather work out every single day because I feel so freaking great. I feel great feeling sore, but I feel miserable when my stuff just hurts and I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's like when you stop the fast moving train and all of a sudden it breaks down. Oh like, man, just keep counts. just keep moving. Just keep going. Well, and what you're describing is what causes depression in a lot of men as they get older. Like they want to continue to be RX athletes and they think, all right, if I can't lift the RX weight or I can't crush this wad, I'm just not gonna do it. And then they're even worse. Oh yeah. Like once I gave up like the thought of all right, I have to go as hard as I can every wad and got the mindset of, well, you know what? I'm just gonna get a workout in. Mm-hmm. Good, bad, or whatever. I'm just gonna do something. And like I started biking more and walking and like just some sort of physical activity. I felt so much better. And like, and now I don't worry about that. And you still, you know, you still get in your crazy workouts and you still have days where you're like, all right, well, I can't do that today. So I'll go do something else. And you just move on. You know? the, the biggest thing that I found as I'm getting older and stuff like that, and you are completely, John, you're completely right. You know, in my head, there's times that I fight with where I want to, I got to lift the heavy weight. I got to do this. I got to keep it. But then I sit there and I ask the smart side of me, okay, I could lift that heavy weight, but how long is it going to sideline me for? Mm. Going to sideline me for one, two, three. It can sideline me for a while. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is that 
as you get older, you may have one workout that you feel freaking amazing. And then you just go all out on that day and just, oh, I could keep going. You keep going. But then the next two to three days, you're screwed. And so my whole thing is balance. How can I balance that out? And so what I do now is I just, I try to balance it, everything out. For instance, I have a running clock. My clock starts. I have one hour to work out. That's it. One hour. So I maximize every single piece of that hour. And once that hour hits, no matter what, if I'm middle of something, anything, it's done. And what I'm not doing, what I'm doing, like, I'd rather lift at a 60% uh, at 60 to 70% of my loads than 80 to 90 plus percent. Now, when I was younger, I could do that and recover even my 30s on a regular basis. But now as I'm older, I got to pick and choose wisely when Mm -hmm. I want to go heavy and how long I'm going to do it for, because I know the consequences can be me being out for days or maybe even weeks. So I have to be smart with what I do and how I do it. And if I'm not smart with what I do and how I do it, like I said, what it, I hate not working out because when I don't work out, my body hurts more. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I work out, my body feels freaking great. But when I don't work out, I feel more pain and more hurt than anything else. And that's just because things, father time is shortening things up, tightening things up and working out keeps everything loose and limber. We'll have to have Neil back on the podcast when the open comes back, because this is like John's diatribe on, on why he goes into the open scaled, even though he's technically capable of being an RX athlete. All that grief you caught during Black Lives Matter, I catch during the open because people Uh are like, if you can RX, you should be RXing when I'm scaling. I finished second last year worldwide in the scale division, right? And people are like, well, you should be, if you're finishing that high, you should be RXing. I'm like, no, because I want to enjoy my week. Like I want to, I want to be able to walk the rest. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Those workouts are hard to sell. So it's not like they were easy. Right. However, what I don't want to do is like, the open makes you do stupid things. Yep. It just does. It makes you do really stupid does, things. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're throwing weights in. Like I don't normally, like I can lift, but I don't normally lift. And you're going to push yourself past your max. And, you know, I've said this forever. Like you'll go in the first day and you'll, you're RX to work out and you work at 110% capacity. And then you don't do anything for the rest of the week. You do that for five weeks during the open. You've blown up five weeks worth of training. At my age, like that's a lot of time. It's 10% of the year. <laughs> like, yep. You know, I don't want to do that anymore. I would rather work at, I mean, you said it, I'd rather work at 60% capacity every day, six days a week. I take one rest day a week, six days a week for a yep. full year, stay uninjured. And I promise you, I'll be more fit at the end of the year at that guy that RXed three to four times a week, but was injured every third week. And yep. like, I haven't been injured in two years now. I'm just the fittest I've ever been faster, stronger, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, like I still don't do mobility cause screw that. But otherwise everything else is on the table. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's because of that mentality of like, I don't need to chase a clock. I don't need to chase yeah. the whiteboard. I don't need to worry about beating my buddies when I do, I'll still smack talk them. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Who cares? Like, I just want to feel good. That's it. You know, you want to know what's funny is that, you know, I talked to a lot of my clients. So I really changed the culture of my gym here. When I mean I changed the culture, I literally sent people packing because what I realized, mm-hmm. not every person is a great fit for your gym. Not every person. You know, I want to help as many people as I as I can, but not every person is a great fit, fit. For my gym, you have to be coachable. If you're not coachable, you're not a great fit for my gym. And why is that? 
I get people who come in here, they see the open workout and they're like, oh my gosh, I got to go RX. But I'm like, I ask them, what, what are you going to get a better workout in? Okay. Are you going to get a better workout on a handstand wad where you can maybe do two handstand pushups or three handstand pushups or scaling it down in benefiting yourself and not compressing the discs in your neck because you're not a competitive athlete. I'm not trying to say you, you can't be, but that's not your priority. When you came to me, what your goal was, was to be the fittest version of yourself so you can be healthy to be around your family. And so you can be able to go to work every day. Now, if your job is to be a professional athlete in CrossFit, I'm going to drive you to do all that stuff each and every day. But I train a lot of techies and stuff like that. And that's not their priority. That's not their number one goal. And so I always tell people, scale back, uh, scale, scale. There's nothing wrong with scaling. Scale back so you can save yourself so you can train for the next couple of days. And it's amazing to me because a lot of those athletes, the ones who wouldn't listen, who are not here anymore, were the ones who had always hurt themselves. For instance, Murph. If you think about Murph, a lot of people do Murph on Memorial Day weekend. We do it every single – I love Murph. Um, but – when we do it, I always try to tell people, this is a time cap, and this is what we're trying to execute, and this is what we're trying to get in this workout. I would get people who want to do Murph for two hours. Murph is not supposed to be a two-hour workout. Mm-mm, who wants that? No way. But, but yet, this is the thing. I had members where I'd say, hey, let's scale so you can stay within the time frame so you can get the benefit in the get the benefit that, that the games are. Yeah, the, games- the stimulus of the, the intended stimulus of the workout. Yeah. <laughs> So I got rid of athletes and then they'd talk about, oh, I got to do, I got to do uh, Murph. It took me two hours to complete. And I'm sitting there like, okay, you rested half the time. So what <laughs> benefit did you get out of it? Like, you know, what, what benefit did you get out of it? Okay. Did you get ego points? That was one benefit. But what true benefit? Did you really get fitter if you're resting longer? You know, and so that's what I try to tell people. And that's what I try to educate people about is that here's the thing. I can do RX, but I scale myself. Even for the workouts that I create, I create workouts, RX workouts for competitors who are in the RX division. But guess what? I scale myself down from those workouts because what I realize is that I'm not chasing myself to be a games champion anymore. I'm not chasing to be the best and ego-driven fittest person in the world because guess what? If you're in fitness and stuff and you're fit, we're all ego-driven when it comes to that in the fitness world. If you say you aren't, you lying. You lying. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's, that's what I try to tell people. So I scale for myself and I scale because one, just like John said, I want to keep myself healthy. If I'm broken, what am I telling my clients? What am I really teaching my clients? And so that's what I try to do is I try to make sure that they understand when you're in my facility, you need to be coachable so I can take you to the promised land. The only way I can take you there is if you allow me to adjust when things, you know, when things maybe not in your favor so I can help benefit and get you the small victories. Because if I keep giving you the small victories, that's going to be lead to the ultimate victory. And that's you working out each and every day because you're motivated and you're driven because you were witnessing success. Is that Neil, do you take that to you? I know that you do some, you do some, you have programming that you do for other folks and you, the Maddox method. Is that that like a, a methodology that you impart upon them even when you're doing like remote coaching and stuff like that so so the maddox method is just all my years of experience and so here's the thing there's a lot of coaches out there who write up programs but never done their own programs every single program i've written up 
I have done, even my women's programs that I do, like the, you know, the clamors and the glute bridges, I try it all because I want to know what my clients going to feel in and out each and every day. And I want to know the benefits of what they're going to get. So I experiment with every single one of them. And the reason being is that I want to make sure that one, that it's a safe program that is going to get them the results that they, that they want. But two, I want to make sure that the volume loading is proper. So it doesn't maybe give someone too much too quick that maybe Mm -hmm. can, or something like that. So that's the biggest thing about me is that I've been in the field for 24 years. I've done all, I did a large majority of different training modalities. You know, I've done different styles from TRX to CrossFit to, you know, I, I mean, I have certifications in you name it, NSCA, NASM. I've gotten them all through the years because I want to know what each and every, every field entails. And if I can get one, one, one little nugget from each one, that will allow me to li- deliver the best message to my clients through my programming. And so with my programming, the, right now, I just generalize, have a, a, you know, generalized programming that I do for people. But then I do a lot of individual co- coaching that goes way more extensive. But what I found is that there's a million programs that, out there and there's a lot of good programs. What it comes down to is you just have to find the beliefs of whoever that is, whoever that person who's programming, you have to see if your vision aligns with their vision. And if it does, then jump on that program, stay in a program for six months to a year to see what the true benefits are. Don't program hop. Oh, I'm going to try this program one month, this program, nothing, because you have to give it time. You have to give yourself, you know, there's mesocycle, microcycles. There's so many different, depending on how they, how your programmer programs, there's different philosophies of how you program. And me, I always build up try to train myself to you know, build towards open, tear it down and build up for the game. So I tried to build my people up that way. And, um, you know, and then now as I'm getting older, I, I'm getting all the mental juice and I'm gaining more and more mental juice. And that's what I'm giving to my people because it's funny. I can get on the phone with them and I could talk to them and just giving them other perspectives and other point of views. It's like, you know, if I can get them to improve, you know, a second or even, three reps or whatever, it's an improvement. And so to mm-hmm. me, that's a victory. That's a PR. And if I can get them to PR each and every day, guess what? I'm doing my job as a coach. Word. It sounds so simple. <laughs> like it sounds like but somehow you still got to put in the work. You still got to do. Yeah. If, um, if people are interested in, in learning more, Neil, how can they get in touch with you oh. to see if they can hop on? MaddoxMethod.com. Just reach out MaddoxMethod.com or you can email me at, at, in, uh, info at maddoxmethod.com uh, or wait info at maddox <laughs> yeah info at maddoxmethod.com so or, or neil at extremeathletics.com uh, got it neil at extremeathletics.net and that's no e in there it's x-t-r-e-m-e athletics.net but um man like i said i i, I love talking with you guys this, this is pretty was awesome. so fun yeah, so great so great yeah. It's weird not talking to you without a giant plexiglass behind me, but I know, right? I'm right. Used to it, well, I guess. Well, well, guess what? With COVID, there's going to be plexiglasses everywhere. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> I'm going to wear one. You wear one in front of your face, one behind you, one on your sides. Totally. Yep. Oh my god. So yep. yeah. So uh, you know, like I said, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about where we get to go. This COVID sucks, but it allows for a major market reset. How yeah. many industries can say, well? The housing industry had a market reset. The tech industry had a market reset. Guess what? The fitness industry had a market reset. So here's the biggest thing. 
is that we get we this is the time that we get to reinvent ourselves and we get to really go out there and make a big change and make a change on the world. And that's that's my mission. My mission is to go out and help as many people as I can. And by me helping people, it can transfer into their families and into their communities. And that's that's what it is for me. And that's my mission moving forward. My mission moving forward is to help as many people as I possibly can. And it, it doesn't have to be the games athlete. It doesn't have to be the people who want to be the professional. Matter of fact, the, the people that I love working with everyone, but you know, the person that I love working with, I love working with that person who says, I just want to be able to do a pull up. Yeah. I want to, you know what, Neil, I just want to be able to squat. You know what, Neil, I want to be able to get rid of this back pain. I want to be able to deliver to these people that because I know if I can deliver that, I made a major impact in their life and I made a major change. And that's, that's what it is for me. And that's what, that, that's why I'm in this field. And that's why I've been in this field. So that's, that's what it is about for me. So any change that I can get to change people in a positive way, I know I did my job and I know I'm, 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 I'm living, I'm living the dream. So, so yeah. I just feel like we need more Neil Maddoxes in the world. That's all I'm saying. I'm going to tell you, I had to do a lot of deep searching and I had to do a lot of correction to get myself to where I'm at right now. I mean, trust me, I, I, I'm not perfect. I'm not saying that I'm perfect, but one thing that I am grateful for is that I'm grateful to be here in life. I'm grateful to be able to have the opportunity to talk to you guys and be able to have this experience because guess what? Me and Chris Henshaw used to run all the time and would always uh, hit this foothill trail. And I'll never forget the day that we hit this trail. And it was one of the last times before he moved to Tennessee. And we just sat there and we said, you want to know something, Neil? This chair, it, it, like, it, it, he said this. He's all, you want to know something, Neil? We're sitting on the top of the mountain looking down and stuff. And this is when I was training uh, to be a games, to, to win the championship, the whole nine yards. And he said, you want to know something? We need to cherish this moment because we'll never have this moment again. And so that's what I do now is, you know, hearing the reality with my mom. That's all I try to do is anytime I'm in presence with people, I just want to cherish some moments. And I've done a lot of soul searching and I had to look at myself in the mirror and correct a lot of things with myself in order for me to get to where I am today. And each and every day, I'm trying to improve on it. And so I'm not perfect by any means. I have a lot of flaws, and I'm trying to improve on them each and every day. But if I could get 1% better, even a half a percent better each and every day, I know I'm living the dream, and I'm going to get to where I need to be. I love well, it. Yeah, that's great, Neil. And we'll absolutely have you back on. So we got we could probably talk. We could probably talk forever. How long yeah. have we been talking? Hey, we've yeah. been talking over an hour. Yeah. We could talk for days. I mean, I, I could talk for days. <laughs> All right. Well we'll, we'll, we'll sketch you back on soon. We'll do the sequel. We'll do part two soon. So, yep. uh, well, thanks for coming on. This has yeah. been great. I, uh, I appreciate it. I especially appreciate all the master stories considering I'm older than all you guys. So that makes me feel, <laughs> makes me feel better about myself. Uh, Nikki, great to see you again as, as always. always. And for everyone listening, we appreciate you guys tuning in tonight and we will chat with you guys soon.